Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, wishing you a happy new year for 2019 is my good friend Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, New Year listeners. Greetings to everybody from New Year's and beyond. Um, in case this is the first time you listen to this podcast, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we both write at autoguide.com, and actually Ben is a freelancer who writes for a number of other publications. Ben, would you like to list out at least one other publication that you write for? <laughs> uh, automobile Magazine. <laughs> Ooh, wow. The, the hardest hitting one. I love that. Okay. Uh so this week, we're going to talk to you about some new cars that we drove recently, including one that we've both driven. Not at the same time, because that's awkward. Um, and some other really cool ones. I believe you had a Kia, and I had a Ford. It's, we'll only, it's, with... it's only awkward because Sammy keeps grabbing for the steering wheel. I know. I, I panic like that. I've done that so many times before. Uh, ben, let's start with that one that we drove. I drove a Hyundai Santa Fe. It was a sport model with a two-liter turbo. It's, it's actually drive? it's actually not a sport model, Sammy, because the uh, you mean like sport trim or Hyundai yeah. Santa Fe Sport? Because we got to be careful there, because for uh -oh. 2019, the Sport is gone, right? It uh -oh. used to be Sport and Santa Fe, and now it's just Santa Fe and Santa Fe XL. So what answer makes me seem like more of a knowledgeable more, expert? In this, more of a in professional? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe it's a sport trim level. Okay, so I drove I drove a Santa Fe 2.0 all-wheel drive Ultimate. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they really upped the ante on the trim level. Um, I think that's what it's called in Canada. I think it's I think it's just Ultimate in the U.S. Uh, it's uh, well, I, you forgot to mention, Sammy, that this vehicle has been almost completely redesigned for 2019. Almost completely redesigned for 2019. See, I just did. I mentioned it right there. Wow. If only we could go back in time and change the order of events and we subvert would need causality. Some sort of Time machine to machine? do that. Machine? <laughs> How do you think that name just showed up? It's a time object. Let's call it a machine. Well, it's a machine. I mean, <laughs> it's because I think the reason is, uh, well, Jules Verne and and H.G. Wells, when they were writing in that era, I think H.G. Wells is more associated with time travel, but that, that, that era of, of history was really about industrialization and mechanization, right? So mm. anything that was cool was a machine, like flying machine, time machine, um, something but something machine, <laughs> regicide machine. Monster I don't know. Monster machine. Yeah. So th that's definitely where it comes from. I think. What were we talking about? Oh yes, the unnamed Santa time Fe. travel podcast. <laughs> now let's get back to the Santa Fe, which is underpinned by the the Kia Sorento, which we've both driven. We've both found very good. I'm you're trying sure to say can... you're trying to say it's the, the Sorento and the new Santa Fe are the same thing. Similar. Yes. Because the new Santa Fe is is actually longer and wider than the old Santa Fe. Okay. I'm as just saying. The same length and width as the new Kia Sorento? Well, I, I don't know. You know, you've never seen them in the same room together either. I know. It's like Pokeroo. Is Pokeroo a thing that all of our listeners would understand? I don't know what Pokeroo is. Oh, okay. This, is getting to, this, this New Year's podcast is getting off to an awkward start. Talk to me about what your impressions are on this brand new... 2019 Hyundai Santa Fe, and I'll, I'll see if I agree with you for once. Well, what I what I want to start off with is the thing I like best about it. The thing that I like best about it is it looks really good. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, think, I already don't agree with you. <laughs> well, it's in terms of how it looked before, and if you put it up alongside other more modestly styled vehicles in its class, like the, like, you know, Subaru Outback or the Forester. Mm-hmm. 
I think that the Santa Fe stands out in in the higher trim levels and uh, from the front, from the rear especially. It's 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 a good looking vehicle. Inside, it's not doesn't quite fulfill that promise uh, when you're paying top dollar. It, there's there's nice materials, but there's also a mix of pretty standard Hyundai switch gear buttons and dials and stuff. Um, okay. It all works, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. feel luxurious. So. Uh, that's kind of my initial impression of the vehicle. But, and you don't just, you don't agree with any of that? No, I mean, I think I can see where you're coming from with the exterior design. I don't think it's the I don't think it's the prettiest model in its class. I still think the CX-5 has a lot to say about that, and the new Rav4 is actually pretty cool looking. It looks a bit like a like a tough uh, Highlander, which I think this car does not look. Um, a tough think- Highlander. Do you think that that was in the boardroom at Toyota? They're like. How do we sell the Rav Four? And they're like, I've always wanted a butched-up Highlander. Can we give it like a mesh tank top and take one of its teeth out? And uh, <laughs> and uh, and it has a uh, I don't know a, a tattoo. Yeah, a tattoo on its face. <laughs> it's a teardrop tattoo. Can we do that? Wow, and, because of all the time the Rav Four spent in the joint. Not even if the the joint the equivalent to the to a jail to a car has to be like um, two things. It has to be. Uh, an impound lot, and I don't think Rav4 owners are get are getting their cars impounded, or a service center. And you're not seeing a car spend a Rav4 spend a lot of time in a dealership service department. Wow, right? you're like a you're like a walking Toyota commercial. <laughs> Come by your butched up ultra reliable Rav4. Okay, well, hashtag I... Sammy Hajisad commands you. <laughs> Well, I do prefer the the exterior styling, both the Mazda and the Toyota, um, over the new Santa Fe. But one of the things that stand out like significantly is just how um, much larger this new Santa Fe feels in comparison to the outgoing um, two-row Santa so Fe, which I you, believe was called the Sport. Did you find it larger, really? Because I know it's 70 millimeters longer, which is mostly wheelbase. I think 65 millimeters of that is wheelbase. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit wider, but... I mean, that's not – it didn't drive big. Like, you found it, it drove bigger? No, no. I don't think it drove big. I think size-wise, interior size, especially the rear seats in the cargo area, just felt more like um, – it didn't feel claustrophobic in the way that sometimes a compact SUV could. Yeah. No, you're right. It, I think it's – well, with the new Santa Fe, it's kind of a tweener. It's it's not quite a mm-hmm. midsize, but it's definitely not compact anymore. So it, 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 your Highlander point is a good one. Um, It doesn't have the three-row Highlander feel, but it feels bigger than, say, a CX-5, definitely, right. when you're inside right. of it. And I, I, I don't know if that matters to people. I think it's good – I think it's inevitable that we're going to see a lot of these – niche expansion type vehicles as everyone turns to suvs and they're just they're gonna run out of room to put them right so right. that's we just got the what's the new hyundai passport which is a smaller version of the pilot yeah uh, we're gonna see lots of passport and something vehicles. like a blazer blazer's a great example it's it's this is just where we're going in the industry so i hope you like marginally different crossovers that are slightly slightly uh larger or smaller than each other because that's the future you've chosen america <laughs> it's, additionally it's the first time i've ever heard ben wish someone to like something which is really nice usually he's he's like i hate everything and this is not good and you guys you guys have done this horrible thing to yourselves you know 100 episodes later and you still can't find it in your heart to be kind on the podcast <laughs> okay, things I did like about this car. Uh, I don't think the interior is as painful as you make it. You you make it sound. I'm I didn't not... say it was painful. I just said if you're paying for luxury, you might be disappointed. Right. I mean, why would somebody go to a Hyundai for a luxury product? Well, right? they bought the ultimate trim. I mean, 
<laughs> That's true. One of the things I really thought stood out in the new Santa Fe, though, was the headliner. I know this is the dumbest thing oh my I've goodness. probably ever talked about on this podcast. Why are you even looking at the headliner? Shouldn't your eyes be on the road? What would the Forrester robot have to say about you looking at the headliner? <laughs> I'm not sure. We should call Mr. Hajisad, I'm up here. <laughs> yeah, my eyes are down Stop here. staring at my headliner. <laughs> Um, I thought it was really cool. It felt like uh, like a piece of furniture or, or like fabric, which I know doesn't usually sound very. Wait, like, you're flattering. saying the headliner that's made out of fabric felt like fabric? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Sometimes it feels like really trashy cardboard. You've never, you can't yeah, deny that. You're right. That. Like the Prius. Like remember the early Prius? Like every material felt like that inside. It <laughs> yeah. was like a weird, like not quite cardboard, not quite plastic. Maybe it's made from like seashells or something. I don't yeah. know. Or maybe it's secreted like some chitinous figure. Some kind of like chitinous creature that just sits in the dark and secretes this weird thing they make the interior of the Prius out of. I have to look up chitinous. No, don't look it up. Uh, Not not with image. Turn image safe on first. (laughs) Safe search is now off. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's I I didn't touch the headliner because (laughs) I'm not as professional as you are and my reviews are not that in depth, so I can't back you up. But I'll disagree with you. Okay. Um, One thing that. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Tell me something else I didn't know about that. No, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I love – the other thing I liked about the interior was – you're going to hate me for this, but the speaker grills? Why do you say it like a question? Do you like the, them or not? <laughs> I like them a lot because they're these really – they have like this really neat uh, diamond – uh, pattern on them, which I think is really unique. And we've been seeing a lot of automakers use – um, unique speaker design grills. I mean, we've seen it with Burmeister and Bowers and Wilkins and uh, who else? Uh, Bang and Olufsen. What do, they, done... what do they feel like when you touch them? That's what I want to know. They felt kind of hard and like plastic, like speaker grills. All right. Um, and That's I found it really, really unique to see that Hyundai has started delivering these really neat looking speaker grills that add more of a design flair to the interior of the car instead of looking really utilitarian. Like these are just speaker grills. So moving on to something people will actually base their buying decision on. Um, All right. <laughs> so remember earlier in the podcast when I said that the vehicle is almost completely redesigned? Right. That's true because they largely kept the drive chains the same. So the engines are the same. There's a naturally aspirated four-cylinder. And in the vehicles that I believe you and I both drove, mm-hmm. there's a two-liter turbo. And that's unchanged from the year before. But they have changed the transmission. It gets an eight-speed versus last year's six-speed. And this is kind of a good and bad situation for me i mean what did you think of that combo um okay so first of all i thought the eight speed acted like a cvt at times (laughs) no i'm just kidding actually really the transmission was completely transparent in my experience i didn't feel it be getting in the way um or or performing any harsh shifts or anything like that um and the other thing i thought the the power Delivered by this trans by this engine was um, what's the word I'm looking for? Massive, exciting. No, opposite all of that. No, it I agree. Seem, I agree. It didn't seem interesting or exciting. The car feels very solid off the line, but once you're in motion, once you try to make it pass or try to get up to highway speeds from an on, on, on from an on ramp, it was it was really underwhelming in a way, and you really do have to pace yourself. 
I don't know if underwhelming is the word I would use, but I agree with everything else you said. I feel like it's a very middle-of-the-road setup, which is fine, because these vehicles do not need to be engaging or interesting. I found the 8-speed held held gears a little too long, especially at the low end, and it okay. would get noisy as a result. And that was something that surprised me. Um, okay. Then but I completely, I completely see what you're saying about power. It's like you stomp on it, and I mean, it's, it's 260 pound-feet of torque, which is hmm. decent, and 235 horsepower, which is... I guess okay, um, but neither of these numbers are anything that's going to really get your blood boiling, which, again, completely fine. No one buys this car for that reason. But that that's annoying because other cars in its class, I mean, even though we don't really know what – we can't classify it really, can we? Um, we is can't it a, classify is it. A comp- it's, it's, it's an SUV. Like, is it a compact crossover or a midsize crossover? It's an in-between. Not... It's an in-between. I mean, so, I mean no, what's fun to drive in its class? The new CX-5 is going to be offered with a 2.5-liter turbo. Okay. I haven't driven it yet, so I can't read to the future and see the tea leaves and decide whether that's fun or not. But I mean, have, the... have you driven a 2.5-liter turbo 6, Mazda 6? Yes, I have. And? I mean, it's, it's like? a completely non-comparable experience. What do you want me to say? What's that powertrain? <laughs> that powertrain yeah, it's really is pretty good. It's, it's better fine. than this. Okay, but again, like, it's a different I mean, customer. once you change the, the car to a crossover, I mean, yeah. Um, now the transmission, I didn't have the issue with it, um, holding gears too long, but I also didn't change the drive mode very many, very many times. I usually kept it in this smart mode. Did you keep it in the smart mode? Or no, because I think smart, smart actually or... prioritizes fuel mileage. Um, uh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but it seemed to be changing every time I, if, when I used to put my, my foot on the gas and and was driving more aggressively, it would change that smart mode into like a sport, a sport oriented setup. I'm and then when I was driving it. it, no, no, no one's going to put it in sport mode. If you have, so here's the thing. My mom has a Santa Fe, the previous generation. And how and often my, is she in? And my sister has the previous, previous generation Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they don't drive in sport mode. Even though my sister is an experienced track driver, has a Miata, has a track rat. Uh, I don't think she really has a lot of fun um behind the wheel of the santa fe she likes it a lot but it's not it, it, when it's a you know just going out for a drive she's going to take her mazda 3 or she's going to take her miata she's not taking the santa fe it's 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 a vehicle that's comfortable and does does a great job at what it does and it's reasonably priced and i don't think um, i don't think it matters how it drives it, it drives fine you know mm-hmm. okay so what is it about the santa fe that's interesting uh i don't think it was i don't know i don't think it drives Actually, you know what? We said the transmission and the and the engine aren't. I don't think are the strongest points in this car. No. I will admit that I think the steering is a tiny bit more is is much more responsive actually than it used to be. Um, and I didn't mind just the ride. You know what I mean? You know, I'm completely okay with this car being more of the same. I mean, it's a okay. it's a improved version of a vehicle that was pretty good. A vehicle I recommend to a lot of people. Because mm-hmm. the price is good, the equipment is good, it's big inside, and it's easy to drive. What more do you need from a crossover? I mean, well, well let's talk about the the safety features in this car. Okay. Because this is this is a vehicle that has now bo- that is now boasting a ton of driver assistance and safety features. Did they annoy you in any way? No, not really. I mean, any car that doesn't have an AI watching me all the time is pretty mm-hmm. okay in my book. Okay, so it didn't talk to you about whether or not there was something in your rear seat in your rear seats every once in a while. I don't remember it doing that. I think that it would I would have had to have opened the rear doors, and I'm not as good of a reviewer as you are, so I pretty much just review from the front left seat. I never 
I don't <laughs> pop the hatch or anything. I will say this. One thing I did not like about the uh, Santa Fe is it doesn't have automatic tumble on the rear seats. I was trying to tumble the, the rear seats to, to lay them flat for cargo, and mm-hmm. I had a camera in my hand, and I had to put the camera down because you have to pull the lever and pull the back of the seat at the same time. Most other crossovers don't make you do that. You pull the lever and it tumbles forward because they realize you might have something in your hands if you're trying right. to do that. So that's kind of a, a weird little, it's 2019, it's time to get get rid of that. You told me about this problem you had with it, and I tested that function from the trunk of, or, or from the cargo space. When you press the two buttons in the cargo area, the, the seats do fall down fairly decently. I don't think they were, is that the same way you're, you're describing it? No, I was it? pulling the you're lever on the, the side of the seat. From the from the the, the seats, okay. Yeah. That's really interesting, and that's really weak. I mean, you're right. You you need something that like just does it, right? Yeah, but you know what? We we spent a lot of time talking about the the Santa Fe. Um, I think there's other things we can talk about. Do you have anything you you want to wrap up on the Santa Fe? Is there anything you want people to know? I'm not sure that the Santa Fe is the ideal car in 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 its class. I would I would tell somebody to maybe consider taking a look at um some of the other staples in this class, including the new RAV4. I, I think you and I both like the Mazda CX-5. And if you want something that has more space, that's definitely available in um, a step-up class, like the Subaru Ascent that we talked about last week um, and, and other vehicles, right? All right. So, um, Do you agree with me on that assessment, though? I, I think that I like it more than you like it, but okay. uh, I don't think people need to step up to an Ascent to get more space. I think something like maybe a, a Forester might give them more space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. I don't have the numbers in front of me. They might be they might be dead on. It's hard to say. Okay. But um, you drove another SUV this week that's a little more exciting in terms of what it has to offer, or at least at least it's presented as being more exciting. So I need you to tell me, whether the 2019 Ford Edge ST is worthy of those two little letters, because we're not going to see them on the Fiesta anymore. We're not going to see them on the Focus anymore. If you want an ST fix, you have to buy a crossover now, because that's all Ford wants to sell you. I'm um, I'm going to tell you, I drove this Edge ST, and the ST kind of replaces the outgoing Edge Sport. The Sport was cool. Why? Because it was fast in a straight <laughs> line. That's all that matters. Oh, okay. So this car uses the head, the Edge ST uses um, the same 2.7 liter twin turbo EcoBoost V6. It makes 335 horsepower and 380 pound feet. Um, I'm not sure that I felt like this car was worthy of the ST nameplate. I'm I'm trying to look at it. I mean, I'm looking at this vehicle and I'm telling you the the additions to the ST model. Okay. Are like Recaro seats and uh, and heavier bolsters, and it's only available with all-wheel drive, and it has an eight-speed automatic, which has been like it has a different, shorter gear ratio than before. So uh, it, 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 you said the sorry, the gear ratio is different. Is that the only drivetrain difference? It, can you get the 2.7 in any other Edge, or is it ST exclusive? I I'm gonna check if you can get it in the in the titanium. And I think you can. No, maybe no, no, you can't. So I think this is the only way to get the the that engine. Okay. Which is a shame. Uh, the engine is pretty good. I will admit I had serious issues with the transmission. Um, so many times I was uh, I would shift change gears into park or reverse, uh, park reverse and drive, 
and it would slam into gears really, really abruptly, and it shutters the whole car, so much so that uh, my passenger at times asked if I, you know, hit something, which I think was is really unbecoming of any product, let alone something that's trying to be um, sporty or comfortable. Yeah, that's not something you want in any kind of vehicle. <laughs> in in other situations, uh, when I put the car in its sport mode and try to use the paddle shifters, pressing the paddle shifters would not change gears, even though the the display said that the gear has changed. How did you know the gear hadn't changed? How, first of all, because how can, many gears I does it have again? Eight. Okay. I can hear it and I can feel it that it didn't change gears. And it's just humming at this. And you know how Ford starts to pump in these weird sounds into the car. Yeah. And it's this bizarre sound and this ridiculous – there's no feel that the the car has changed gears, which is really annoying. And um, I just was not convinced that this car was the most refined and well-baked that it could be. So who do you think this car is aimed at? Like do you think it's aimed at people who already have an ST in the garage and now they're looking for something else or – I mean, it's aimed for somebody who wants this this sized crossover, but wants the power to go along with it. The, and and truly, that is a good amount of power, 335 horsepower, and I think I said 380 pound-feet of torque, which is a lot. And the car feels really solid in in a straight line. I think it's under six seconds or about six seconds, which is pretty impressive. Well, I mean, not compared to the Trackhawk that you drove a couple of weeks ago. No, of course not. Just three I mean, and a half has, seconds. This has, yeah. Literally almost this, half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this has less than half the horsepower of a Trackhawk. What do I What do I want to say about this thing? It starts at um, at around at under fifty thousand dollars, which isn't a bad a bad deal. But I don't think the refinement is there to make you want to get this car over a luxury vehicle like say. Um, a Mercedes AMG. How did it, how did it make you feel when you're driving it? It didn't make me feel like anything special at all, which I think is a huge miss for the ST, the S, anything branded ST, because the Focus ST and the Fiesta ST actually made you feel like you were driving something sporty, fun, youthful, cool. Um, the Fiesta ST in particular was a really engaging car. I love that it was manual transmission only. Uh, actually, both of them are manual transmission only. I love the way that the transmissions felt in those two cars. Um, and this thing, as I mentioned, is an automatic and not very refined automatic and felt clunky and big no matter what. So do you think there's a room in the market for Ford to make a, an Edge RS? I hope not. <laughs> well, wait, what if they give? What if they make an Edge RS that has the three and a half liter twin turbo? I don't know. I don't know why. I did not enjoy driving this car. It was completely um, unengaging despite that ST um, nameplate. And I didn't like the noises that the engine makes. I don't like the transmission. I don't think the steering or or body roll has been mitigated in some significant way to make it feel sportier. It felt like a stiff crossover, and that's never a good combination. No, I agree. I don't think that anyone wants that in a crossover. And um, I and I know I sound really harsh, but we did talk about that Trackhawk and the SRT Jeep Grand Cherokees a while back, and those are fun they make you feel a specific way and this edge s team misses that feeling completely yeah i i think i completely understand what you're saying especially you know it's one thing to have a vehicle called the sport and to have all of this happen uh, all, the, all that you've described but it's another to take the st brand 
and try to leverage that and just let people down. And maybe that's inevitable when you're looking at that price point and you're looking at what Ford has to play with in terms of platform and um, parts, parts bin. But at the same time, if if you're going to be restricted in terms of what you can offer, maybe you shouldn't offer it at all. <laughs> I mean, it, would it be so bad to offer this engine with the with the titanium package i don't think so i think no i mean if it, but the, but it's not just the engine right it's all the sporty stuff the look stuff that also comes with it so i think the like the look stuff are these black rims that i will admit my whoever you know these these cars get tested by a number of journalists you know and um i think somebody misjudged the width of the car and ended up scraping the the wheels a little bit and when you have dark dark wheels that have scraped it shows badly so, just, I mean, you've got to be extra careful uh, in that situation as well. If you're buying a car with all these sport trims, it just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the point in this car. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed for Ford for sticking their ST badge onto this thing and saying it's a sportier edge when it's really, I don't know. It seems like a, like a hack job. All right. Give me the three next ST based Fords we're going to see in the next few years. Yeah. The, uh, Expedition. Okay. Expedition the, ST. Yeah. The um, C Max. C Max. I think the C Max is gone. Is it not gone? Is oh, it coming? No. Ba- is it it's coming really? back as an ST only? Yeah, with that new 600 horsepower, uh, 600 pound feet uh, Lincoln Aviator powertrain. Wow. <laughs> I was gonna say with uh, electric motors at all four wheels, but that's that's really yeah, up fine. in the ante. Okay, what's the third one? I think there's actually going to be an Explorer ST. Oh my goodness, and it's probably gonna be exactly the same, is it not? Well. I'm not sure. Um, if this, if the, it must be, it must be exactly the same as the Explorer Sport because the new Explorer is supposed to use that Aviator platform, and I guess this would be the last, the last hurrah of the current Explorer before anything else. That's a good point. That's a good point. And you know what? As cars fade from the memory of anyone who's ever owned a Ford, <laughs> the ST badge isn't going to mean anything anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? It's like, why not just set it on fire right now? <laughs> I, I just feel really bad because to me the ST badge has cachet had um, like a lot of good memories associated to it. I love the I loved taking a uh, Focus ST on track and I loved taking a Fiesta ST on track and through an autocross. Those are fun to drive cars. They actually put a smile on your face and they do things that other front wheel drive uh, compacts didn't do at the time. They they managed through some torque vectoring and brake vectoring to pitch the car and make it really tossable feeling, which is um, contrary to what most people have experienced in front-wheel drive-based crossover, I, uh, not crossovers, hatchback. And and I I like the Focus ST more than I like the Focus RS, and I'm like the the one person in the world who feels that way. Uh, but I agree with a lot of what you're saying. They were they were fun tossable cars at, at a time when that wasn't necessarily something you found at that price point. I mean. It, it just goes to – are we taking the ST badge for granted? Like is that what we did? We were like the the Focus and Fiesta were good, but not enough people bought them. And now they're like, well, this is what we got to do with the ST name. No, I and think like, I think it's just – you know, it out we're, to the edge. We're seeing marketing in action. That's, that's all we're seeing. And uh, I think it's important for our listeners and just people in general who are buying a new car to realize that sometimes you're just buying marketing and you're not – actually getting a it doesn't sound from i haven't driven it but from what you've said it doesn't sound like a fully thought out package so keep that in mind and maybe make sure you drive a few options um against the st if you're shopping for that kind of crossover 
It was a well-equipped vehicle, but it's th- those kind of features that it had, which is like a heated steering wheel, heated and cooled seats, uh, navigation. I, I'm a little disappointed that it didn't have a head-up display, while some other cars in its class um, definitely offer that kind of fe- that kind of uh, option. Um, but there's nothing much about it that made me go, "Oh wow, here this is what I was waiting for." Um, and and I think that buyers who are looking for an Edge ST will do themselves a little bit better to maybe um, ignore the, three, the the 2.7 liter twin turbo V6 and maybe go for the four cylinder. Um, or pick something else altogether. Well, there's one more vehicle I wanted to talk about this week before we tied things up, and that's uh, another redesign. Um, and it's actually a very, very important vehicle for the company that builds it. And that's the 2019 Kia Forte. And we've talked a lot on this podcast because we're talking about Ford, just how companies are, are backing away from from cars and sedans in favor of crossovers and SUVs. But hmm. you might be surprised, Sammy, to learn that the Forte is the best-selling vehicle for Kia in the United States. Is it really? I thought maybe the I th- I might be silly, but I thought maybe the Soul might have a pl- uh, a play in that world too, which is also a really popular car. Yeah, so it's it's it outsells everything the Soul, Sportage, and the Sorento all together. Wicked. Neither of those vehicles are are topping the Forte, and that's interesting because the Forte is an entry level compact economy car. But we live in a world where the, those terms don't really mean anything anymore because even the cheapest car is pretty damn nice inside, and um. I did not spend a lot of time with the Forte. I had it for three or four days, uh, and there were things that I liked about it, things that I didn't. Uh, a lot. Of, uh, Sammy, have you driven the vehicle? I haven't, but I have taken a pretty good uh, deep dive into it, and I have to suggest that like I like the way it looks, and on paper, everything sounds pretty good, save for the new CVT. I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, we'll get to that very soon. Um, I'm going to agree with you. On paper, this is a car that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's seventeen grand, right around there, for <laughs> the entry level model. The, the only, good pricing. <laughs> yeah, if you want cheaper, you're gonna have to buy an Elantra. I think the Elantra is around fifteen something, but um, it, it looks good. Uh, it's got a stinger esque front end. It doesn't really look like a stinger in any other way, but the <laughs> the front end is there. Uh, inside, it, it again, it looks okay. It's it's everything you would expect from a Kia, which is you know. They pay attention to detail, they pay attention to design, um, and they provide it at a price that's affordable. Mm-hmm. When it comes to driving it, that CVT, not great. It's uh, it's the 147 horsepower from a four-cylinder engine, and the CVT, I remember what I was saying about the Santa Fe and how like it was noisy? Mm-hmm. Well, the the CVT holds the revs a lot longer than you'd probably be comfortable with when you're pulling off the line. And I found that really distracting while I was driving it. It made the car seem much noisier than it should. But there's a way around it. And this vehicle has a sport mode. Mm-hmm. If you put it in sport mode, it's a lot easier to drive. It's not necessarily quicker. It just feels okay. more like a traditional transmission. And I found it more comfortable. And you preferred that? I preferred that. I, I actually liked that. When, it, when it's in sport mode... It's a car I can recommend. When it's in regular mode, I feel like it just kind of falls behind some of its competitors like the Civic or the, even the Corolla just in terms of, of the general comfort and power delivery. Okay. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this powertrain. It makes – what? I think you said 147 yeah. horsepower. And there's a more a powerful t- engine coming out next year, but it's not available yet. Okay. And I think the Civic starts at like – 158, which is 10 more horsepower, which might not, or 11 more horsepower, which might not sound like a big difference, but I think 
when you're in these compact cars, like every little bit counts. And it's you know a, it's a I mean? turbo too in the Civic, right? Right. So do you notice that difference feeling really exaggerated or did it feel underpowered? It didn't feel underpowered. It felt like the power was sufficient for what you wanted from the car. If you wait till next year, it's going to get a 201 horsepower turbo four. Um, yeah, that 1.6, right? Yeah, and you'll get you can get a manual or a seven-speed DCT, which is actually a pretty decent transmission itself. Uh, but okay. if, if you're looking now, you don't have that option. The the, the version that will be in the Forte GT, and this mm-hmm. is just the the standard Forte. But if you're looking for a car that's a commuter car that's affordable and comfortable. Um, and if you keep it in sport mode, then I can I can recommend this vehicle. Um, but uh, yeah, I really would like to see a more refined CVT from from Kia. I, I don't see why they can't do that. Uh, they have a lot of engineering know-how, and uh, it just seems like a bit of an oversight. Are there any downsides or or other issues that occur during the sport mode? Uh, or when driving around with the sport mode, like does the steering get heavier or? That's a good question. Uh, I didn't notice. Um, I think that it. Well, I know the sport mode does tweak the steering and you get more throttle response, but it's okay. not to the point where you're like, oh, this is a chore. It's not like uh, hyperactive. No, it's not a performance car, and okay. they didn't really dial it in hardcore. Okay. So I appreciate so that. It's, that sounds like a like a reasonable sport mode. I, I mean, I wish you could put it in sport mode. It would stay in sport mode every time you'd turn on the car is that something that happens no it doesn't do that uh, but, but you know bummer. getting back to the safety gear we were talking about earlier you can get a, a, a it's so crazy just how small cars have a ton of gear you can get now like you can get yeah. a, a collision warning system and pedestrian detection and all that crazy driver attention system everything does the driver attention system look at your eyes through a camera no it's a bird that sits on the dashboard <laughs> and it shrieks yeah. if you don't look at the road when you look at the bird yeah the bird's, yeah, the bird's named the bird? bluetooth how do you feed the bird? It feeds on vibes, so you just gotta vibe out. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's my short and sweet Kia Forte review. I wish I'd had more time to spend in the car. Uh, I think that I will enjoy driving the GT because I like that engine in other vehicles from the Hyundai Kia conglomerate. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be a good fit. But it, what it will do is show the chassis. It will t- let you know. Whether that's whether you're gonna want to have fun with that much power, or whether you're just gonna, you know, it's just a novelty. So that that's what remains to be seen. It's a lot of equipment, man. I'm looking at some of the other things that it has. Um, in addition to the safety features, I'm seeing some cars come with vented seats, and I think maybe a heated steering wheel or something like that. And and there's a tray for wireless charging. This car can. I mean, for a small car, it can come with a lot of stuff. Well, Adaptive cruise control. That's why so many people buy it. I mean, if you don't need a bigger car, but you want to feel a bit pampered, why not get a Forte? I think that's the the value proposition. Does it ever feel as cheap as a seventeen thousand dollar car could feel? Well, like, I didn't. I, mean, I didn't drive. Or... I didn't drive a, be, a base version. I mean, okay. inside it feels like a compact economy car. I'm not going to lie, but mm-hmm. that's a very that's a, a shifting target as time has gone on. It's not a penalty box. You're not going to regret it. You know. You know what I mean. And would you prefer the hatchback body style if this came in the 45 body style that it used to come in? I think so. I think the hatchback, uh, it's not just more practical, but it's, it's also better looking. So mm-hmm. uh, in, in my opinion. So one of the weird things that I, I kind of want to bring this up, the rear suspension of this car is a torsion beam setup. Okay. And a lot of people were, were, were kind of calling out Mazda because the new Mazda 3 will come with a torsion beam setup in the back. 
nobody seems to be criticizing Kia for using this kind of format. That's What's because the story here. That's because Mazda presents the three as an affordable, sporty kind of car, and it's hard to be sporty when you don't have an independent link in the rear suspension. It's not impossible, but no. it's you know it's generally people. It, again, we're talking about marketing and branding, right? So Mazda exactly. shot themselves in the foot with their own branding in this <laughs> instance. Um, so I, I, I'm driving the Kia Forte. I really don't care that it has a torsion beam. It's totally fine. I'm not going to take it to Gymkhana or anything like that. That seems like a. I mean, I'm not like as hardcore. I'm not as hardcore <laughs> as you are, Sammy. Oh yeah. How much? How much do you think your? I think the top model vehicles are about twenty six thousand dollars, which isn't so bad either, right? No, it's it's a very reasonable vehicle. Um, like I said, if you're looking for a, if you don't need a midsize sedan but you like sedans, then this is a car you should check out. Just make sure you can deal with that CVT, that continuously variable automatic transmission, uh, before you buy it. Because once it's parked in your driveway and you discover it's too buzzy for you or too noisy or whatever, maybe I'm just overly sensitive. Um, it's gonna be too late. <laughs> is it? So it's clearly. I mean. With the powertrain that it has, I mean, this this 2-liter four-cylinder, uh, sorry, is it 2-liter or 2.4? I can't remember. It's 2-liter. Two two liter. Um, with that powertrain and that tra- with that transmission, that body style, do you think this car is like a bench? It's not a benchmark, is it? No, not at all. It's just a, it's a solid, affordable, basic transportation. What would you take over it? If it was my money or if I'm looking yeah, yeah. for that kind of car. I like the Elantra a lot. You like Which the Elantra, is, even, even though, though those two cars very are very similar, similar, right? Very similar, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the Elantra Sport, the sedan. I think that's a great car for that price. Um, the Civic is very good, but you have to be okay with how it looks. Some people find it a little over the top. Um, you can get a hatch, which is nice. It's it, this it, The Mazda 3, I mean, I haven't driven the new one. I'm going to be driving it in a few weeks. We'll be talking about that on the podcast. I've driven, you and I have both driven a prototype version of it uh, with the Skyactiv X. It was very difficult to tell how that car actually drives based on that experience because it was mostly drivetrain. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there, there's, it's really hard to buy a bad small car these days. Would you agree with that statement? I think I would. I'm trying to think of all the cars that I do not like in this class. Um, and even the worst ones are pretty good. I think the worst is probably the Nissan Sentra. Yeah, the Sentra is... Uh, something to be avoided which is sad because the versa is not you know (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that's it yeah i mean so yeah just don't buy a centra and you're set (laughs) that feels cruel it's just because i think it's just because centra was we we were expecting so much and it's 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 not a bad car it's just other cars are much better and that's it's been outclassed yeah that's that's a difficult situation to be in but uh sammy um speaking of difficult situations uh what are we going to be talking about next week Oh, this is a difficult situation. I think, well, next week we have a whole new thing that we're going to bring to the podcast, um, a new type of episode, a bonus episode. Are you excited about this? Ben? I am excited. Tell, tell me what it's about. Well, Ben, you and I are, are avid consumers of popular culture, aren't we? So we've decided to take some of our favorite fictitious cars, uh, cars from movies or or television shows, and compare them to one another. We're going to bring up the the specs, the drivers. We're going to compare the the memorable scenes and say which car was more of a bigger deal to each uh, movie or franchise. And then we're going to decide which car is better. So our very first, our premiere episode in this format will be oh, – this, this is a doozy – the, all of the Batmobiles 
versus uh, James Bond's best, best cars. Yeah, Are it's going to be a movie car, movie car face-off. Is that what you're calling it, Sammy? I think that's exactly what we're going to call it, the movie car face-off. So, so if you like say movies, that in your best Nick Cage voice, and you'll you'll get an understanding for what we're going for. But, <laughs> and I want to just assure everybody, we are not stopping what we've been doing for the last two years. Um, we're going to continue doing episodes like the one you just heard. We're just going to be doing these episodes as well because we it's fun for us. And if you want to listen to them, I think it'll be fun for you too. If you don't want to listen to them, you don't have to. You can just wait for um, the next week. Or sometimes they're going to be coming out the same week as a regular episode. And uh, give it a try if you don't like it. Just stick with what you've liked so far. And that's going to be there for you on a regular basis. And we also wouldn't mind getting any of your feedback. Now, the best way to get us... Um, and talk to us is through, I think, one one really good way is through the website. If you go to Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you not only... Dot sorry, com. Unnamed Automotive... <laughs> unnamed AOL auto- keyword, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Oh, man. Uh, once you go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, we actually have a contact button. It's the third button to the left of the, uh, the the navigation bar there. I sound like my father trying yeah. to describe this. Tell, a, tell me where on the page. screen I need to click, Sammy. <laughs> yeah. um, once you hit that contact button, you can actually reach us. Uh, you can tell us what you think about our, our recent episode or even these new bonus episodes. You can also reach out to us on social media. You can find me at Twitter or on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Or you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. You can also email us. You can find Ben. He's uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Isn't that right? That is correct. And if you want to find out more about the podcast, you can go to, as Sammy mentioned, UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com. We have every episode there. We have photos. We have links to articles where we talk more in-depth reviews of the vehicles we've driven. Um, You can also go to Facebook, Unnamed Automotive Podcast on Facebook, and uh, Sammy, if you wanted to listen to us, you could find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Apple Music, Spotify, Castbox, all that good stuff, right? Like that—that's where we're hanging out. That is exactly where we're hanging out, and you can find us there. And you can probably find us in any one of your po- your favorite podcast line. I don't think you're gonna miss us. All right, so thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoy the fun new thing we're gonna be doing next week. And if you don't, don't worry. There's gonna be more of the same coming right at you too.